program the last three years has saved millions and millions of dollars. Sure. Eleven point five million. Eleven point five million over three years in electricity costs. Right. Charlie Care for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial, 102.9, here in Town Administrator's Office, and actually, Deputy Administrator Amy Frigoletti, welcome, this is your... Thank you so much. We've got to start with the ladies, sorry, Jamie, <laughs> I'm not the boss, but... <laughs> I am fine with that. You... You've been here a month already. Where did it go? It's been a month. I know. I can't believe it. It's gone by so quickly. I cannot believe it's been already one month. It's just like summer. <laughs> <laughs> like summer. Right, it's it just going disappears. Yeah, Remember exactly. our beach days. Yeah. Yes. And Jamie, how are you doing today? Oh, great, Steve. Excellent. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. Another week is wrapping up, and um, I'm really, really hoping that the projected little sprinkle we're getting on Sunday and Saturday doesn't happen so I can go to the beach. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, because there's some other weather coming that may no, affect... It's, not only that, it's, it's, what is it, August 10th, so, you know, it's just a little frightening that uh, before you know it, the kiddos will be back in school, and mm -hmm. um, and then it starts that weird narrative of the end of summer, right? Which yeah. really goes, and I defend it, not only because my birthday's at the end of September, but, um, you know, it's still nice and warm in September. It's a great time to go to the ocean, great time to still do things, but obviously people are very busy, and so it's mm -hmm. tough to... You know, right. Labor Day is kind of right. always that Massachusetts yeah. New England. Kind yeah, of end of for, for those who can take the time, and certainly as my wife was a teacher, who was never available, and now that she's retired, we can. But that late September, early October time oh, yeah. probably is the best time to go spend anywhere in New England because, to your point, yes, it's still nice and warm, still can do stuff outside. And the crowds are gone because everybody else is back to school. <laughs> and with any luck, Mother Nature will help us out by getting, getting rid of the humidity. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the bad air quality, right? Yes. So, um, yes. so anyways, we're doing well here and uh, happy to join you. Absolutely. And we haven't had a chance to catch up, but you had a major meeting at the beginning of the month with the Joint Budget Subcommittee kicking off the formal process for potentially an override. But there's a lot of work to be done between now and then. So, you, uh, If there was one takeaway, you just nailed it. Um, there is a lot of work to be done between point A and point B. And um, I think if I were to, um, you know, say, you know, the summary for those that don't want to watch the three-hour um, discussion, which really, if you're out there and interested in school finance, if you're interested in what the future uh, of the schools are on these issues, you should watch the three hours because it was, I thought it was a very good discussion. Mm -hmm. The feedback I've received, you know, in the last week or so has, has been really overwhelmingly positive, which um, you don't always get at every hearing. No. Um, and so the fact that there was that many people in the room, the fact that there was a lot of people watching on Zoom, um, you know, is a great sign, right? There's a there's a large engagement in this stuff now, which mm -hmm. is wonderful. Yep. Um, we need to still double our efforts, um, or the advocates need to. And I think everyone came away from what I heard with a lot greater understanding of the cause and effects of finance. And I thought the questions from the audience were really great. Um, and they weren't your typical 
kind of advocacy questions or mm -hmm. comments. They were right. really mechanical type questions. Um, things about what about federal funding and how does that play into the budget and, and different dynamics about business development and how that works. And I, I seem to come away with the impression, and I think the elected officials did too, that, that people um, educated themselves more on um, some of the cause and effect of the budget uh, numbers than probably in, in my eight years here. Mm -hmm. There's never been so many folks being paying attention. And I, I also think, um, and I don't want to speak for all the advocates in the One Franklin group, but I think a lot of the members of the group also realize that this is a lot more work. This is a lot more detailed um, and requires a lot more knowledge and information than maybe they had anticipated. Mm -hmm. It is, as you know, not as easy as just putting a question on the ballot. Um, it is actually that simple, and we're going to learn about that in a couple weeks. It is simple to put a question on the ballot, but as, as Chair Mercer really articulated well, and I think the, the group seemed to all support that, you know, all of the elected officials are on board with this concept, but they want, to, they want it to be victorious, right? They want, mm -hmm. it, they want it to pass, they, right. and they want to make sure that there's a right question and there's a right um, defensible. And, and I think that a lot of what is coming out of these meetings now are questions that when you put a question on the ballot, these are the questions the general public are going to ask. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I've said many times before, with the Community Preservation Act and the stormwater utility, as the most two recent, um, and the Beaver Street Interceptor, I should not leave that off, mm -hmm. right. those three um, had huge revenue components to them. Absolutely. And I think you would agree, Steve, the town talked about these things for years um, and engaged the community at subcommittee meetings, um, we did forum. learning sessions, we did public forums, mm -hmm. we answered people's concerns. Um, we actually incorporated that feedback. In the case of the stormwater utility Absolutely. and CPA, yeah. we incorporated all that feedback in, right? The CPA, the town administrator, myself, advocated for a 3% surcharge. Right. But based on the, <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> Amy's laughing. Well, of course we do Go that. Go for it. And, 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 um, but, but, but also, through the, a lot of input from a lot of people over a long period of time, you know, the town council endorsed a 2% surcharge mm -hmm. and added the exemptions in. I, I keep saying this to one Franklin and others, that's how, you, that's how you develop a question. And therefore, as along the way, you build greater support for that question because you've incorporated larger demographics of the community into it. And I think, unfortunately, the tough part about this today is no one has time. Um, if you're a parent, you have even less time than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, this is one of those that really does take a very, very long time to get to point A to point B. And I think um, I was really, really pleased with the positive comments. I was, I was pleased with the, the folks who attended were respectful, they were alert. They listened, they asked great questions. And it, for me, uh, being in this for eight years, it felt like a little corner was turned. Uh, just a gut where mm -hmm. there was a lot of people that were like, wow, this, this is, there's a lot more to this than just shoving a question on the ballot and having you know, a few people go out and vote for it without engaging the whole community. And I thought they were very respectful of that. I thought it was a great sign. And Moving forward to August 16th, next week, um, the town council um, will have a discussion on the mechanics of an override, as well as the ethical and campaign finance related issues that revolve around 
ballot questions. Mm -hmm. What town staff can and cannot do, what the superintendent town administrator can and cannot do, what elected officials can and cannot do, what private citizens can and cannot do from an ethical standpoint, a campaign finance standpoint, um, and all of those other logistics. And those are just the next building blocks mm -hmm. on the foundation of the home that you're building to really get to that place right. um, where hopefully, you know, down the road, you know, the town can be looking at some sort of uh, some sort of question before, to put before voters that um, that the voters are going to support. So, mm -hmm. uh, I hope you came in with the same impression. I know you're the interviewer, but uh, you know you're no, engaged in all this stuff. And <laughs> no, in, in my years of experience, at least watching through process and seeing a couple of the successes, certainly the first override back in 2007, I was part of and see, saw that closely. I was part of the CPAP, certainly through the stormwater, the discussion. And the art of compromise, I think, is one of your keys there. It takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. And having the conversation in a respectful way, in a civil way, valid questions, valid answers, and then you work together to the proposal, gets the compromise, and thereby gets the buy-in to be successful. The second point I'd make is that, at least in my experience, I don't remember that many people being engaged at this point in time so early in the process. Right. Um, there's reportedly over 200 people on that mailing list for Warren Franklin. 200 people. Now, granted, we've got 35,000, 20,000 registered voters, but to have them willing to step up and be advocates for something like that, and granted, there's a lot of work to do. Right. We still have to work through those details, and I think summarizing the multiple conversations, but we need the wish list. Right. And then we need whatever is going to be that sustainable amount, because realistically, and you've already mentioned three, the fourth one we haven't talked about, we have mentioned another, Tri-County, right. is also out there hanging there. What's that going to be? It's all coming from the same pocket in the from the resident taxpayer's point of view. You kind of walked right into my other piece of, of, of coming out of that, which is I think the next action steps, other than kind of more knowledge and information, mm -hmm is going to be ultimately what is the long-term forecast and what are the financial um, challenges for the school department. I mean, yep. they are the most important, they are the most important department. It's the largest They budget. are the largest part of the budget. Yep. Um, they have the biggest cost drivers. Yep. Um, we heard some other issues tentatively kind of probed at, like the town has not used any of its federal stimulus money to plug operational budget gaps. The schools have. What is the what is that story? Mm -hmm. What is the consequence of those revenues? When are they going to go away? And what are the what are the cuts that will theoretically be, have to be made or considered when those revenues dry up? Um, what about the future of school facilities? Right, the town runs the facilities department. Uh, we have our own story um, on these issues, but with fixed costs, uh, mm -hmm. which I've highlighted all well for years, but sure. particularly I had an audience this year to talk about it. What are those pressure points, right? Uh -huh. What about the declining enrollment? I mean, we started to get into some of those issues that I thought um, the public um, very much needs to be a part of. The public is very aware of these things. What we need to have is that group that was there, again, really work with everybody publicly on conversing around those issues, uh -huh. right? Um, and those are important questions. Why are those important? Because every citizen is going to ask those questions at public forums yeah. when dealing with an override. So we need to really get that information out sooner rather than later about discussing these issues. And then the issue of Tri-County is a, is, a, is a huge one. 
how are you, how is the town going to pay for the 2.1 million a year for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, we have a lot of financial questions to answer and, and to talk about. Um, this week at the council meeting, we will be putting out our uh, five-year pavement management program for the DPW. Um, Brutus will be there to talk about uh, project updates in town, but also, more importantly, what is the structural deficits relative to infrastructure? Roads, um, and sidewalks, town-owned asset parking lots. Um, you know, Brutus is going to lay out every five years, if the public doesn't know, we do a whole new grading throughout the entire community. What are the worst places? Where do we need the investments? What are the best places? Everybody wants their road paved. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, some people that believe one road is really bad doesn't realize on another side of town, actually there are roads that are way worse, right? right. So we try to allocate funding appropriately for that. So that plan and that discussion will be uh, also this uh, next week. And, um, and I know that there are a lot of folks in town concerned about infrastructure. Um, and so hopefully that'll kind of feed into um, really discussing all of these issues that the town has. I will say there is absolutely no way to financially pay for it all. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. I mean, we can't get too overwhelmed because this is actually just how life works and it's how cities and towns mm -hmm. work, right? Like yeah. there are obligations and cost drivers of things that just don't happen because right. there's just not enough money. Yep. There's not enough state money. There's not enough federal money. Um, and, you know, I mean, to illustrate that point, eight years ago, there was an override just for roads. Just for roads. And it got crushed. Yep. And people said, I'm not going to raise my property taxes. I'll deal with the roads the way they are. Mm -hmm. right? right? You know, they made that values judgment. Sure. I'm sure maybe that's changed a little sentiment in town. Maybe not. But we have to have that engagement with the public over those things. And, um, and so there's a lot of issues to talk about. But I thought it was a great meeting. I know we'll have another great meeting this week. Um, and it'll probably take September off. I'll be out of town, but also uh, for a little while. But also, you know, the, I know um, for uh, school coming back is obviously a chaotic time. So we'll probably mm -hmm. aim to have another meeting, I would guess, in probably October or November. Yeah. And, and kind of pick October. this back up. Yeah. And, and also, I, I think I, I said it pretty openly at the meeting, too. I think, you know, with, with both Miriam, uh, the school business administrator, retiring, and Erica Montero, um, our payroll uh, director for the schools for 20 plus years, she went and took a new job uh, in Bellingham. There's a staff bandwidth issue that mm -hmm. um, the public has to be aware of, and we are posting and trying to fill these jobs, but an average hire usually takes you know three to four months to go through a posting, a job description writing, a posting, um, candidate pools, reviewing candidate pools, setting up interviews, doing your due diligence, getting recommendations, Corey checks, I mean, we, there is no hiring process uh, for Amazon two-day prime. It doesn't no. exist. No. It takes months. So, so we have to triage that in real time. And so to put together and answer all of these questions, whether it's town or schools, is going to take us a lot mm -hmm. of time. And I think right. even for the school department, it's probably going to take them even longer just because they're dealing with even more um, staffing transitions. We've talked, you and I have talked, and the community's talked about, um, about, about Miriam ad nauseum yep. and her leaving, um, but without any succession planning that happened, you know, to lose Erica as well, which is great for her to take the uh, leadership post that she took in Bellingham. Mm -hmm. But for us, 
Um, you know, we wish all Erica all the best and phenomenal employee and she's done a great job and we're very happy for her. You know, but for us, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a little triage for uh -huh. a while. So it's gonna take some time for, for the schools to put that kind of um, forecast together too. Yeah, because I think that's one of the hidden pieces in the discussions is clearly it's resource constraints and I'll at least say it that respectfully everybody on your side and the school side You've got a job to do, yeah. and it's already full, in some cases overtime required, to do the day-to-day -day job, whether it's even inquiring to answer somebody who has a repair at a yeah. local shop. Well, you've which already is heard not the even... phone ring three times since we've been on this call, and you know Julie in my office is on vacation, which she deserves as much as anyone Everybody else. Everybody needs the time away. we got to get payroll done this week and you know accounts payable. and right. There's just most of our days are actually occupied with basic level services right. that we do of just <clears throat> operational yeah. issues. So neither the town yeah. nor the school has the three, four, five people that could just go aside and do this analysis and bring back the numbers because right. you're resource constrained on both sides. And oh, by the way, that's a Franklin choice. That's a Franklin choice. That's so right. people need to remember that. That's yeah. a choice. Like the other piece that gets me from time to time, and we'll, I'm sure we'll come up with the opportunity in terms <laughs> of the backlog. The backlog is a backlog, but it's not meant to be resolved at once. It's meant to have truly kind of a 20-year plan, which take the backlog, lay it over 20 years. That's the yearly expectation. That's right. Not the 50, 100 million, whatever the backlog is. We don't have to pay it all at once. Don't have to pay it all So a little bit, yeah. <clears throat> to your credit, for the first time, this year, fiscal year, you've got 600000 in for the roads. That's yeah. the first time that's happened from a town budget perspective. I, and it's still, like, not even close, right? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, but it's it, a it's, start. <laughs> it's a start. And, and, you know, I always joke that we're the turtle in the race. We're slow and steady in government. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't ebb and flow uh, up and down too high or too low, um, you know, which is the point of what we do. Uh, but you're right. It, it's, um, I told the advocates numerous times, you know, you have to be patient. Um, you have to be engaged. Um, and um, and the, I think... To end on this topic, you know, it was really, Steve, you know this, and I know the advocates, most of them know this, that we're going to, I've been fighting with people for years about the lack of grassroots network in Franklin, mm -hmm. right. and, um, you know, I've challenged them, I know you know, mm -hmm. Amy's new to this, but I've challenged them pretty hard, right, and publicly, privately, to, we can't really get the car started until there's a group that shows up that says, we're here. And that was awesome. And I give a lot of credit to Ruth Ann and uh, her friends and, and Ann Bergen and all the folks that, um, you know, started that organizing. It's, Amy knows this too. This is why we're in management now. We did that for years. <laughs> yes, yes. And I didn't want to do it anymore. You spent your time. You <laughs> spent your time that. doing spent it. Spent my time doing that, you know. Um, and I was tired from a lot of that. The door knocking and the voter lists and the websites and you know that's my past life mm -hmm. and i'm happy to have it in the rearview right. mirror and i love what i do um but as advice to them unfortunately that hard work needed to happen and, and they really 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 delivered well um with with a great audience that was there and i i just hope that um, to councillor cormier ledger's analogy during the budget meeting which yes. i just think yes. is so good i keep <laughs> repeating it but 
I hope that that wasn't. Um, I hope that wasn't like the Catholic Church and the folks just showing up at Christmas. Right. Um, right. I hope they come back every week to go to Mass, and they're really, really there. And I'm confident they are. Right. I think that group is going to be there for a while, and I love the T-shirts. Um, you know, and um, and so credit Ruth Ann and 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 Ann and all the other folks that were involved um, to get that crowd together. It was, it was great mm-hmm. to see. I yeah. want the room packed. I want it hot. Okay. I want to sweat. I, I'm not avoiding this. I want this, right? Because right? I know if that's there, we can start having a better conversation with the community about these things, right? Absolutely. If it's chilly and cold and I can feel the air conditioning, bad sign. <laughs> bad sign. Yeah. We need, as I said, two to tango. You need the conversation. You need the give and take to craft the right yeah. proposal. There's, and, yeah. there's going to be some, unfortunately, there's going to be some frustration there's going to be a few hurt feelings. There's going to be some irritability. It's all part of the process, mm-hmm. but we have to still keep our eyes on the prize and remember that eventually, if we're going to put a question before voters, and if that's what the council and school committee want to do in the future, you know, some of those some of those boiling points have to happen. That's mm-hmm. okay. Yes. You know, it's yeah. okay. It's all part of it. Right. But I think um, Amy, myself, the council, the school committee, I think. School administration, we're all there. We all support this idea. Mm-hmm. We all know it needs to happen. Yeah. Okay. We all support it, but also, we need to do it right, as the chair said, and um, and we have to be able to um, bring all those people along with us. Mm-hmm. And just one last closing on uh, doing it right. On August sixteenth, council meeting, uh, Attorney Sorrell will also get into the do's and the doubts, which is really yeah. critical in terms of going forward as to what you can do. You can't advocate. That's right. That's the advocate's role. <laughs> the citizen's role can advocate. You and other elected, well, not so much elected, but paid officials cannot advocate. Paid staff cannot use any public resources for a ballot question. The superintendent and I have just a little more flexibility because we're the CEOs right. and can kind of have those public debates. But anyone else below myself or super, or the superintendent you know, have to be extremely cautious. And um, I did send a note out to the school committee and the council and the staff a couple of weeks ago. Um, if folks look up one case, um, you can look oh. up the town of Brookline. Brookline, and I shared that through the Franklin Matters yeah. readers and to at least they, catch them. And I think the point of, and I know we're going a little off here, but even with the point in Brookline that's key, for those that don't watch the meeting next week but are listening to the podcast, part of the issue there was not a lack of was not a complete lack of knowledge. It was a lack. Uh, it was just so much urgency. Mm. And what I'm uh, what I'm worried about myself is is that we get caught in the frenzy of hysteria so much mm-hmm. that we let down we let down some of the fundamentals. Right. Right. Uh, we're not if for those baseball fans out there, we're not watching the ball go into the glove. Mm-hmm. Right. We're projecting it, and that's when you get unforced errors. Right. And that's when you then get you get the resident that files a complaint mm-hmm. and says they did something illegal, they did right. something wrong. Yeah. That then deters public trust from the question. Those are all regressive. Right. We have to be able to do fundamental baseball in order to get this right. Yeah. Anything that takes away from the key point of the conversation right. is not good. It's a big right. distraction. It's it's not all good news is good. No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. We don't want those kinds of headlines, period. And then EDC meeting before the council uh, brings back a potential, or at least the discussion around the snow removal bylaw, which was taken away a few years ago. Um, 
expectations of snow and ice have gone through the roof, um, as they should. We're a 24-7, 365 society mm-hmm. now. Um, and so, as people should expect it, they want the roads and sidewalks cleared when the snow hits it. Um, because we all live different lives, and we all work different shifts, and, um, and we get that. Um, and as the budget shows, we traditionally don't have the capacity to do it. Um, as well as some of the larger cities that have really strong operations, mm-hmm. like in Boston and Cambridge and stuff. Sure. Um, and so um, we're trying to talk about how to deal with snow removal um, on sidewalks in particular. Um, this isn't about snow on roads, really. The discussion no, it's is more about of a sidewalk. The discussion really is about whether or not the community is going to ask businesses and residents within certain jurisdictions, namely like downtown or Franklin Crossing, about whether or not we should expect them to be able to shovel the sidewalk Mm -hmm. and throw out a little salt um, out in front of their business or their residence so that people can get to the train stations and get to the restaurants and and be able to to walk on the sidewalks. We we already take care of this. The school sidewalks are already, as you know, Steve, one of the huge priorities that's traditionally been our number one priority on sidewalks. and downtown, unfortunately, on a big snowstorm is usually day two or day three. Mm-hmm. And we usually we have to bring out the haulers um, and the dump trucks. Um, and again, it's it, a little bit of this is justified for sure because of our uh, nimble society and people need to get out of the house and get to whatever they need to get to. Um, part of it is also, I think, um, a little bit of an instantaneous gratification uh, sign where it's just like the snow falls, there's two, three inches of snow, why is it not gone? Mm-hmm. And um, this is not an easy debate, um, right? As you alluded to, we, the yeah. town used to have an almost unenforceable bylaw on the books that required businesses, particularly in downtown, to do a little extra. Um, traditionally, we don't see that. No. Uh, and so the entire responsibility generally falls uh, on the DPW. Um, and uh, I expect Brutus to be colorful as always <laughs> um, about how to solve yeah. these problems. and yeah. um, But I, I think it's a first meeting. There'll probably be some few. It was a goal for the council to discuss. Um, and that EDC meeting is on the 16th at 545. And we're going to look through some hot maps um, for the DPW about exactly where they plow first, how they do it, why it is that way, and um, how we can make it better. Mm-hmm. So. Which is all important for the community as well to know, because clearly, you, as we've talked, you've got limited resources. The DPW and the snow happens. They've got to hit the priority roads, the heavily traveled roads, and then gradually work down exactly what those roads are. Clearly, everybody wants my road, right. but your road may not be one of the priority roads. So understanding that, where the lists are, and the lists are on the town page as well. So, and the maps, the updated maps, et cetera, they're already on the agenda pages, et cetera, right. so they'll, they'll be shared up, part of that discussion. Um, I know in my walking, the, yeah. the variability downtown, respectfully, you've got business owners and landowners, building owners, they're not always on the same page. So you can get a full clear sidewalk, you can get a partial clear sidewalk, sometimes it's cleared on this side, sometimes. Is, is that the best we can do? I, at least starting the discussion is worthy. It's back to bandwidth. It is. And it's, you know, there's different priorities for different, you know, the rural roads came up at one point, you know, in some ways the rural areas of town, North Side, uh, Washington Street, those are the folks that are the most in jeopardy. 
that the roads need to be really clear as soon as possible. Why? Because they have longer driveways, they can't get out if they're blocked in. But I think the the larger foot traffic are obviously around the schools and around downtown. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and so it's a challenge. It um, is. And, and, and look, I think the old bylaw essentially, as everybody knows, got repealed because there was an un, basically a, a, an unenforceable yeah. fine for not shoveling the sidewalk. And you know, anytime you find somebody a hundred bucks, you know, it, it, it feels so punitive um, that it's hard for a lot of people to rationalize on what we would probably call the principle. Mm -hmm. right? Why are you fining me for not shoveling the sidewalk? Right. Right. I think this is a debate about civic responsibility as much as it is anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, why should we have to drag people out of their business to have them shovel the sidewalk? Mm -hmm. Don't they want that? We've realized, I think, over many debates that the response is like, yeah, I don't think that matters to a lot of business owners as much as we think. Mm -hmm. uh, what about residents? What about elderly folks that are on, you know, down on Dean Ave, Emmons, and some of the other places? Sure. Right? So, yeah. I think the conversation is isn't it's just about snow removal. It's about you know how much do we ask citizens to participate in some sort of civic responsibility. Mm -hmm. It cannot all be the DPW. No. Um, otherwise, people will continually be frustrated with the lack of bandwidth. Mm -hmm. For those that are listening, or, the conversation we just had, Or we would have to pay more for all that. you got to pay more taxes <laughs> right. for one way or the other. You'll never, you, you just don't, from year to year, you're never going to know what the snowfall will be and what oh, the yeah. bandwidth you'll need. And having lived and worked in the city of Austin, uh, we, we had to as residents and still have to yeah. shovel our sidewalks. Right. So. And is there a fine associated there with that? Is. There is, yeah, right? There is, yeah. a fine. Do they, does the city give out fines? They do. They do? Yes. Yeah. The inspectional services mm -hmm. wow. um, drives around and they give out fines if you do not shovel your sidewalk within a certain amount of time. hours yeah. from yeah. from the um, snowfall. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. And, and businesses as well were required to do some snow re removal, not necessarily in the areas of the more touristy downtown mm. business, but certainly in more neighborhood yeah. um, neighborhoods of Boston. Sure. And I think the adjacent mm. communities too, and you might know, but I'm pretty sure they also have bylaws like that too, right? Cambridge probably does, Somerville, Quincy, maybe the Belmonts, Brooklines, yeah. Newtons. Yeah, I think you're um, looking at more of the Arlington denser, probably does. The denser downtown, you know, multifamily, multi-industrial or commercial residential mixtures, um, clearly in the downtown type situations where, respectfully, we've got a smaller piece of that. Right. We're not as big as some of the others. Right. So, yeah. yeah so, um, so that's coming up this week, and then we, the other, only other thing is the Davis there. If people are interested in finding out what mm -hmm. the next use of Davis there is. Yeah. Second um, meeting coming up. Second meeting coming up, and this is the one where the committee is going to try to ask the consultant, say, hey, here's five ideas that we have that we'd like you to look into, or three. Mm -hmm. Set up at least a talking point list. What Talking point list. Yeah. What, what makes sense to really do a, the deeper dive of analysis? Because you can't analyze everything. That makes no sense. No, I mean, I think uh, it, being decisive about whittling that down about the highest percentage um, potential uses is probably smart because mm -hmm. I think as the consultant said the last time I mean money if you have an endless amount of money you can do, you can do anything <laughs> right but that 
I mean, yeah. for those of you that have gone through the last 30 minutes, you know there's not an endless amount of money. And and um, and there's some hard conversations and truths to come up with it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been waiting for a long time to get here, yeah. but... Um, uh, so we don't take the summers off. We're still no. rocking in the free world, doing a lot of things. and um, There's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah. There's a lot going on. And thinking ahead, I remember you teased during the budget hearings, but the municipal aggregation is up for renewal, yeah. I believe, at the end of October. And fortunately for those who are part of the aggregation plan, I think you teased it was going to be like 15 yeah. cents per hour yeah. going. So it may still be, it should still be less than whatever National Grid and Eversource are going to do, but... It's going to be a slight increase over what we already had. Yeah, we just put together like a little packet. We're going to start, I think, doing a little more PR. Um, but the rate currently is 10.7 cents per kilowatt for the last three years. So for those of you out there, we, we did spare you a lot of savings with the program, right? And now it's going to go up to 15 cents. But that will likely still pale in comparison to what the the regular national grid rate is. Sure. Um, and so I don't we're going to try to do a little more PR on it. Mm -hmm. I think we'll try to send some information out next week. We've already been getting some calls from yeah, constituents, right, right. so we're hoping to get information out, you know, sooner rather than than mm -hmm. later when um, when the rates are, are yeah. changing. Yeah, and they'll change it on November first. Um, it will be a five cent per kilowatt increase. Um, it's just a hair under fifteen cents, just right. for technicality's sake. Yeah. You know, it's like nine dollars and ninety nine cents, but. 100% green product. Um, yes. Still, we were able to we were able to get a bid that was still low and digestible for the residents, but also, um, I think it'll be now under this contract to be five years, where 100% of the electricity um, to Franklin residents and, and small businesses too. Um, it'll be five totally straight green. years of, of um, the electricity is is officially coming off of uh, wind turbines. In the Midwest, mm -hmm. um, so if any of you have friends up in Kansas or Oklahoma or Texas, um, you can thank them for uh, mm -hmm. building enormous wind farms right. um, out in the Midwest, which is supplying a lot of energy and electricity to the rest of the country. Right. So by five years, does that mean we got a two-year contract going forward? We got a two-year contract going forward. It'll go through October thirty-first of twenty twenty-five. Right. Um, and. You know, people don't see this behind the scenes, but, you know, I have a consultant we work with, Colonial Power in Marlboro. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, I will admit I absolutely, given what happened over the last three years, and uh, I know Amy has the number. I don't remember it, but she can look it up really quick while I'm talking. The, the program the last three years has saved millions and millions of dollars. Sure. 11.5 million. 11.5 million over three years in electricity costs right, right. were saved from Franklin residents. So sure. for the person listening, that was money that you, you, you never thought was going to hit you with inflation. It didn't hit you, and I had zero hope that I was ever going to get a bid that was going to be competitive because I guarantee you a lot of those companies and suppliers lost a lot of money in the last mm -hmm. Sure. And so the fact that we still were able to get just a hair under 15 cents and still be able to take the electricity from the wind turbines in mm -hmm. the West, um, I, I, will, I will take that deal any day of the week right. um, because I was very, very nervous that if National Grid came in in the fall um, of this year yes. um, with a 22, 24 cent, which is what's projected, mm -hmm. 
Um, I was very nervous from going from ten and a half cents to like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. That's yeah. that's a lot yep. for people to absorb. Sure. After what they've already just absorbed um, over the last eighteen months with inflation, right? Right. Um, so, um, as uh, people in my business always want to say every once in a while, um, a win is a win is a win. I'll I'll. I'll take it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect it, but I was pleasantly yeah. it's, it's amounts in all our pockets, and we thank you. I thank you on our behalf <laughs> for that. Um, the other reminder, and I'm sure you'll have it in the communications, at when we implemented this, it was an opt-out. So everybody yeah. who was already part of National Grid needed to opt out to be not part of it. There are some dynamic dynamics whereby people moving in are not automatically opted in. So that's the key market that I understand. If you're just coming into Franklin, make sure when you talk to National Grid, become part of the municipal aggregation yeah. because unfortunately, even as part of it, we're still getting solicitations from all these other companies that are trying to sell us on a regular about. basis. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 I go away. I'm already fine. <laughs> Amy reminded us, I think there was a bunch of phone calls and I think we're speculating that probably one of the reasons why we started getting phone calls is there's solicitors out there. Yeah, there are. Because um, the contract technically is up this Halloween, um, and they may not have been aware. One thing I learned was is we one good thing about extending the contract is for a staff, we didn't have to go through the whole regulatory process again. So you didn't have to go through the bid cycle, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And so also we do not we do not by law have to notify everybody again like the first time. Okay. And so people, that's one of the key things I think Amy was just mentioning is that's why we're trying to do some more PR because um, in outreach is to target those those um, niche micro markets of people that either, you know, and there's always going to be, it's like healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. There's 2% of the state that doesn't have healthcare because right. they just are like, we're never going to do this right. and we'll pay the fine. Um, but there are a lot of folks who opted out um, just because they didn't like government involving in their electricity rates. Um, and, and just for those that did opt out, you did not. You were not part of the 11.7 million in savings that Amy just referenced. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You know, so you know, mm -hmm. you know, take a look at it again. If you right. did opt out, I, you know, we 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 very much respect the libertarian attitudes that many have. Well, and there but are those... if you're looking at your own bills, right? Money's money. It's your choice. Yep. Um, if you want to sign up with a third-party supplier, mm -hmm. that's also your choice. Absolutely. Um, but be careful. And there's a website dedicated to this. Mm -hmm. um, the office staff are here. Julie McCann in my office has been working on this with me for two years. Yep. Amy's very knowledgeable about it. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of good technical assistance for people, and you can always call the office. And you can opt in and out at any time. Yep. And that's one no, of the other benefits. Yeah, there's no fees for cancellation. Right, so, right. right. Um, yeah. No, and, and in terms of other than the libertarian, there are a legitimate number of people, and I think you referenced 400 sets of solar panels in the community anyway. So clearly they've already got their own plan. That's right. They don't need municipal aggregation. We understand that. And if you're planning to do solar, okay, then once you do, you can opt out. Right. But for everybody else, I think you've made the case in terms of the track record at 1075 versus what they did last year with National Grid. It was 34. Like 34, right? 34 cents. And we know what we're getting this year versus 24, potentially. It yeah. could still be higher. So, yeah. It could be I, a little lower, too, but I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that happening based on how much 
inflation's gone up. I mean, I always, I'll end on this. I always remind people that when, when, when the power goes out or if we're in winter, while we're all at home, well, maybe not me, but while most people are at home, safe and sound in the house, there are our friends in this community and adjacent communities all around Massachusetts are bundled up in emergency gear. They are trudging through feet of snow to get to conduit lines, to get to distribution stations. They're out there fixing this stuff. Mm -hmm. So while everybody's underpaid, <laughs> you know, we hear about this a lot. We also have to remind ourselves, these are hardworking men and women that are out there in an emergency situation. They need to be paid well too. Mm -hmm. Because sure. if you want the power back, you need to pay people at National Grid and other utility companies to go out and do the work. Um, maybe someday, in a not-too-distant future, there'll be robots that'll do this, or artificial intelligence may do this stuff. Mm -hmm. But for right now, these are real people that are going out, and, and, and they should be compensated at whatever it is that mm -hmm. they need right. to get them to do the work, right? Yeah. And so those costs are going up, I have to imagine, for utility companies. Sure. Well, so I can't imagine it going down. No. No, I, unfortunately, that's expensive. one of the things. It should be added to the death and taxes. Costs don't go down. Right. <laughs> but to their credit and to the town's credit, through yeah. our tree warden, the National Grid is also out trimming back in areas of the town to make sure those tree limbs, et cetera, are at least in the position they're supposed to right. um, to prevent some of those outages in the future. So yeah, I know. No we guarantee, get, but... We get, a, we get a lot of complaints with tree trimming all the time, and but, you know, you got to kind of... You got to have it happen, or else right. in January, that's the last time you want the tree falling uh, on the mm -hmm. line, right? Right. So, yeah. And so. at some point in time, when we have enough money, we can put it underground. But until that time happens... <laughs> For another town manager. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. <laughs> a long that's, wish that's list. That's a long way away. Yes, uh, yes. There's a whole lot of other priorities that we talked of a bunch yeah. <laughs> during this already. So <laughs> I think we covered most of the hot yep. stuff today. We did, yeah. Yep. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, thank you for taking time to share for the folks um, as we've talked Franklin today. And uh, we'll see you next week, certainly at the meeting, if not between now and then. Right. Thanks, Thanks, Steve. Steve. And for the listeners, final reminder, thank you. We do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.